You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Awesome. Can I just say that um, I had a little bit more to do with my third child than your pastor? <laughs> hey, Ben, before you go, we're going to do something just before you go. But yeah, um, your pastor touched my wife and she fell pregnant. So. <laughs> Praise God. Are you ready to encounter Jesus tonight? Yeah. Are you ready to encounter Jesus? Yeah. Come on, stand up again, stand up again, stand up again. This is Revival Nights. Elam Christian Center Revival Nights. In the middle of winter, August, raining, and you're out here coming after the presence of Jesus. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to start by giving a big shout of praise. But before we do, give a big shout of praise and honor and glory to our King. I want you to understand that it's not just hype. It's not just shouting. It's not just to get a loud room. But the Bible is full of moments where God commanded people to shout before the victory came. We said, God, you're the wonder working God. We said there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. I believe chains are going to be broken here tonight. But here's the thing. You know, most church shouts go for about 8 to 12 seconds. And then it gets awkward and people go, ah, we just stop. So before I get into my message tonight, I want to give like a massive shout of praise and the band's going to help me out here. But I want to give the, like a solid 20, 30 seconds of an undignified, you've got to forget what the person is thinking next to you. We're talking about shouting our praise to the King and things in the spirit will break as we shout. So on the count of three, we're going to give everything to Jesus. One, he's worthy. Two, come on, lift your voices. Three, Jesus, we love you. We bless you, God. forward over here yeah you come here come come when I walked into the room the Lord said this man's hungry you know what the Bible says about hunger it says that those who seek and hunger and thirst for righteousness sake shall be filled and here's the thing here's the thing that I know to be true 100% in my life and I know to be 100% true of people that are in this room right here right now that God will always meet you at the level of your hunger He will always meet you at the level of your hunger. 
So you could be next to somebody who's getting a touch from heaven and you're like on your phone playing snake. Our phones don't have snake anymore. <laughs> you're hungry. Just wait, I want to pray for you. Okay, just relax, you're trying too hard. Father, we just love, Lord, what you're doing in this man's life. And I pray right now, God, that you would fill him. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake shall be filled. You know, and King David said that I shepherd my people with integrity of heart. And that's what you've got. You've got an integrity of heart. You're a man of integrity and honor. I see integrity and honor and hunger all over you. So, Father, right now, just touch him. Fill him with your spirit. Love on him. May tonight be an encounter he never forgets. Meet him, Lord, right at the level of his hunger. Father, put a fire in his belly. Put a fire deep within his soul. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Bless you, brother. Can we give it up for Jesus? Awesome. Well, you may be seated. Hey, I just want to return the favor, and not just because that's what guest speakers do, but honor your pastors, Pastor Steve and Bex Green. Can we give it up for them and honor them? Yeah. I mean, it's very easy to come into a place like this filled with hunger. Um, and a great atmosphere of faith to come and preach the Word of God because, God, again, God always responds at the level of our hunger. But these guys have really built something incredible and my wife and I really honor you guys and really look up to them. And, um, you know, I remember the two weeks after I met Pastor Steve, um, he rang me and we just spent like two hours on the phone. Um, and not just talking about church, but talking about Jesus. And uh, I know that might surprise some of you, but uh, a lot of people can talk about church, but your pastors can speak about Jesus, and um, that's who we worship, and he's the king. Amen. So we want to honor you guys for what you're building and, and just what you guys mean to the nation, really. I think it's far beyond Elam. I think it's far beyond Elam, so praise God. All right, John chapter 14, verse 16 to 18. And Acts 1.8. I'm going to read two passages of scripture tonight. And then I've got three points for you, and then we're going to pray for some people to see what God does. Is that cool? Yeah. All right, awesome. John 14, verse 16 to 18, I'm reading from the New King James Version, and it says, And I will pray the Father. This is Jesus speaking now. He's talking to his disciples, and he's explaining what's going to happen. He says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells, listen to this, he dwells with you and will be in you. I know right now he's with you but there's going to come a time when he lives in you, Jesus says. Talking of the Holy Spirit. He said, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Acts 1 verse 8, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So looking at these two passages of scripture, we see that there are three experiences in the Holy Ghost. He says the Holy Spirit will be with you, the Holy Spirit will be in you, and then in, in Acts 1.8, he says the Holy Spirit will be upon you. Have you ever been in a situation in life where you kind of just look around and think to yourself, this is not what I thought it would be? This is not what I thought it would be. It's not what I conjured up in my head. It's not what I planned in my mind or in my heart. This is not what I thought it would be. You know, um, before I got married, I was living in a, in a house with all some church boys. I was living in Melbourne, Australia. And um, so we were you know, like fresh in the Lord, in Bible college, going after Jesus. And, um, and so these guys, there's four of us living in a house. It was messy for all the right reasons and all the wrong reasons. Like, so we did all the good stuff, like have prayer meetings all night. But we also did all, like, just, just you know, ripped each other to shreds and spoke. Like, we were just, like, Christians one minute and complete unbelievers the next. But it was a fun house to be involved in as fresh Christians. Four guys, zealous for God and trying to make this thing work. And, you know, we would have fights. We would, we would have arguments. It would be over the silliest little things like, you know, refilling the toilet paper or paying the bills um, or that kind of thing. And we would, we would have fights and it seemed like every two or three days we would have a house meeting and we think, you know, everything's going to change. You know, everyone's in agreement. We pray together. It feels like Jesus is involved. And then you go back to just doing the same old, same old thing. But, you know, when I lived in that house... What I loved about it was that when we did fight, we could all just kind of escape into our, into our own rooms, ignore each other, come on men, and then wake up and the next day it would be okay. It would be all right. Like we didn't have to talk about it. We didn't have to have um, 10 more discussions to, to, you know, air out our feelings. We didn't have to tell each other how we offended each other. It was just like, give me a little bit of time out. Let me go into my man cave and by tomorrow morning, all is well. We were, we were just those kinds of people. We could fight, we could toil, we could tussle, but the next day we were best mates all over again. There were never any tears in that house. There were never any tears. There were never any teas at 10 p.m. Um, that lasted for a very long time discussing all kinds of things. But you know when I got married to this wonderful, beautiful, amazing woman in the front row <laughs> over here, my wife, I realized that I can't just go to bed after an argument and everything's all good the next day. <laughs> I realized that I can't just leave things around the house and it'll be okay. I mean, it's not the boys' house anymore. I can't just leave all kinds of items of clothing around and then sleep it off and everyone's all good and we just kind of give each other a fist pump the next day. And it just doesn't work like that. And I found myself as this young man who got married probably a little quicker than I had planned and I was like, oh my goodness, this is not what I thought it would be. It's not what I thought it would be. Now, marriage was all the good things in the right ways. Marriage was amazing. We learned uh, to, to love each other and forgive each other. But have you ever had one of those moments where you just kind of look around at your world and say, my goodness, this isn't what I planned. This isn't what I thought this situation would be. And so the disciples find themselves in that exact situation. The disciples have this Jesus that comes and calls them in the middle of their business. 
They're, they're, they're fishing. They're mending their nets. They're, they're collecting tax. One of them was a zealot, uh, basically a terrorist. I mean, there was, they were going about their lives, and here comes this rabbi, Jesus. And if you know anything about when Jesus called uh, the disciples to follow him, it wasn't like, a, oh my goodness, I've got to sacrifice so much. Actually, it was a privilege to be called by a rabbi. And so the parents must have been super excited. The disciples were super excited. And so they followed this Jesus and all of a sudden this Jesus starts touching sick people and sick people get healed. They go to a funeral one day and Jesus ruins the funeral by waking up the dead guy. He's touching the people that nobody is allowed to touch, the lepers where everybody says, I'm not going to go and touch the lepers. Jesus goes right to them and he touches the lepers and they're made whole. The people in the corner that nobody wanted to speak to, this Jesus was speaking to them. The lost, the last, and the least. Jesus modeled this lifestyle of supernatural power and revival. And when he, and when he came to the disciples, they thought, man, this is it. He's going to take over. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna cause a revolt. We're going to be freed from the oppression of the Romans. And then Jesus has this talk with them that we just read. And he says, fellas, I'm here to tell you how it's going down. I'm here to cast some vision for you. This is what's going to happen. And he says, in a moment, he says, hey, I know you've been watching me do all the stuff. And he sends them. He fills them with his spirit. He sends them out to do the same things. And they're like, man, we're going to follow this Jesus. It's going to be amazing. And one day, after three and a half years, he sits them down for a little board meeting. And he says, fellas, I know the last three and a half years have been good. But I'm about to leave. I'm out. I'm done. And the disciples are like, what do you mean you're out? What do you mean you're done? What do you mean you're leaving us? We've left everything. We've left our businesses, we've left our families, we've left our wives, we've left our children, we've left our livelihoods for this, and now you're coming and you're telling us you're giving up on it. He's like, listen, I need, a, I need to explain something to you. It's actually better for you if I go away. It's better for you if I leave. And by this stage, put yourself in their shoes. They're scratching their heads thinking, how could it be better? I know what life was like before you, Jesus. I know that life was fishing and mending nets and oppression. And I know that when I got sick, I had to stay sick and that was my cup. I know that the lost and the, the, the miracles, they weren't happening. This, how can you say it will be better? I know my life previous to this three and a half years. And so the disciples are like, how could it be better? And Jesus said, it's, it's far more advantageous. It's an advantage for you if I go away, because if I go away, I can send the helper. If I go away, I can send the Holy Ghost. And it won't be you following around one person who's doing the miracles. It won't be you following around one person who's healing the sick. But the very same spirit that lives in me, if I go away, I'll be able to send him and live inside of everyone that believes. So boys, could you imagine, instead of having one of me, what would it look like if we had 12 of me? Fellas, what would it look like if you carried that message and put your hand on people and we had billions of little Jesuses walking around the earth? What would it be like? What would it look like? What kind of effect could we have on the world? 
So he says, it's, my, it's to your advantage that I go away. And he tells the disciples this, and they're confused, but he speaks of these three experiences that I've found in my ministry most believers don't understand. And I want to help you tonight and pray for you to experience these things. He says, but you know him, for he dwells with you. So with you means beside you, right? So here's, here's the disciples, and here's the Holy Ghost. And he's with you. But he says, soon he will be in you. I don't know about you, but that truth never gets old for me. The fact that the creator of the heavens and the earth would come and live inside of me, would come and take up his residence inside of me. The chain snapper that we sung about lives inside of you and I. I was an ex-Muslim drug dealer criminal, and yet God, the God of the universe comes and says, I'll live there. I'll live there. And Jesus says to you tonight, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, I'll live there. I'll live there. I'll come and take up my residence inside of you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hey, disciples, I know he's been with you, but he'll soon be in you. He'll soon be in you. And then we know the Great Commission. He tells them, go and preach the gospel to all the world. And then he says, before you go, you need to wait. And the disciples are like, is it go or is it wait? You're telling me to go, but don't go until you wait. And he says, why? Because if you wait, you'll receive power from on high and the Holy Ghost will come upon you. Yeah. So the title of my message tonight is with you, in you, and upon you. Yeah. With you, in you, and upon you. So my first point is with you. So my story is, I, I was an unbeliever. I'd never heard the gospel until I was 22 years old. And when I, when I came to Christ, it was a moment that I had an explosive detection machine at Melbourne Airport working as a security guard. And I gave my life to Jesus. These two guys were telling me about this Jesus that died on a cross for my sins that I could be forgiven and I could spend an eternity with the Father in heaven. You've got to understand, to me, that was blasphemous. For months, they spoke to me. For months, they prayed for me. And I could feel the Holy Spirit with me. Can I tell you, when you pray for your unsaved friends and family, the Holy Ghost is the greatest evangelist on the planet. And you can pray. You can pray. The Holy Spirit says, I come and I convict them of sin, of righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Ghost can come and he'll go to your unsaved family and friends and he'll be with them. And he'll, he'll, he'll whisper in their ear and he'll do everything he can to bring them to the foot of the cross. You know why? Because he doesn't want to just remain with them. He wants to go to the next step, which is in them. He says, with you, so he can be with the unbeliever. He can be with that person that you're praying for. But then he says, in you. This is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 20, Jesus breathes on the disciples and he grabs them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And right then and there, the Holy Ghost came and lived in them. So that's every one of us that believe in Jesus. If, you're, if he's your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you in you and he'll never leave you nor forsake you i know you feel him sometimes and other times you don't but we live by faith and not by sight he's in you whether you know it like it or not he's in you right and the holy ghost lives inside of you to what's all the words that the bible says to counsel you to guide you to comfort you he's the spirit of truth this is the in you experience of the holy spirit 
He's now no longer with you, but when you gave your life to him, he's now in you. I feel strongly there's people that are here and you grew up in a great Christian home and you've been around the things of the Spirit. You're with the Holy Spirit, but he wants in tonight. He wants in tonight. And so this is the indwelling presence of the Lord. So he comes and he lives inside of you. You know when, when the Holy Spirit came and lived inside of my life, everything changed. Everything changed. All of my addictions dropped off in one night. I was smoking pee four to five times a week. I got filled with the Holy Ghost, finished. Done and dusted. This is the power of God coming and living inside of a human being. Not only does he want to be with you, but he wants to be in you. And the last one, it's really the main point of my message, is that the Holy Ghost is with you, in you, but here's where most of us miss out. He wants to be upon you. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel, but don't you dare try it without the Holy Ghost upon you. Don't try. Can I just suggest this? Don't even try and be a Christian. Don't even try and be a Christian. Don't try and be a good person. You, you will run You'll you burn out. You'll, be, you'll just be re- religious, routines. But when you've got the Holy Ghost on you, you don't wake up trying to be like Jesus. He just oozes out of you because he's not only in you, but he's on you. He's on you. This is known in our kind of circles as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So question. The disciples already had Jesus breathed on them to what? Receive the Holy Spirit. So they receive the Holy Spirit, but Jesus says, wait until the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And so we know the story. They're in the, in the book of Acts in the upper room and they're, and they're praying and they're fasting and they're waiting on the Holy Spirit to come and tongues of fire come and, 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 and everything changes from that point onwards. Now they not only have the Holy Spirit in them, but he's now upon them. So he's in me for me, but he's on me for you. I'll say that again. He's in me for me. I'm not going to share him. He's in me for me. He's my guide. He's my comforter. He's my spirit of truth. He's my counselor. But he's on me for you. He's on me for service. He's on me for ministry. He's on me to do things for Jesus, to make a difference, to change the world. The fourth part of your, your, your vision, make a difference. Don't try it without the Holy Ghost on you. That's when people leave the church. Oh man, it was just too hard. I just burnt out. We've got to have the Holy Ghost on us. On us. See, things have happened through me that I know aren't me. They're the Holy Spirit and I feel him come upon me. And people's lives get touched, not because I'm good. I'm useless. It's because he's on me and he loves people. He loves people. So he wants to be with you, he wants to be in you, and he wants to be upon you. This was Elijah throwing the cloak on Elisha. What was it significant of? It was, it was the anointing is on you. This is what we would call the anointing. This is what we call the baptism of fire. This is when now a person gets, gets filled with power from on high. I've had many experiences with power, electricity running through my body, and, and the, the Lord absolutely wrecking me for normal life. The first time I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I was in the back of a black Volkswagen Golf. I had a headache. We had just come back from a night service 
at church and uh, it was like my second service ever. And, uh, and so the teaching was on healing the sick and I'm like, I had this headache in the back of the car so I said to my mates, I said, hey, um, you know this whole healing thing? Headache? Pray, please. Anyway, so they prayed and one of them, cheeky, cheeky of him, said, Lord, fill him with your spirit. Baptize him in fire. While we were at the front of the cafe in a busy Melbourne street right then and there, and I'm in the back seat, and I don't know what happened to me. I just, it's, just, it's just God. Just God. Boom. And so they went into the cafe, had their meal, and I was still in the back of the car getting filled with the power of God. Can I tell you, can I tell you, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Boldness will come on you. Fire will come on your life. You will go back to school and you'll be different to the last week that you were there. You'll go back to your workplace and you won't be able to walk past sick people anymore. You'll have to lay hands on them. You'll go to hurting and broken people and you'll have to tell them the gospel. You'll have to tell them that there is hope and his name is Jesus once you get baptized with power from on high. See, the Holy Ghost is not only wants to be with you or in you, he wants to be upon you. See, when you get baptized with the Holy Ghost and he comes upon you, all kinds of weird and wonderful things happen like demons come out of people. Can I just go there? Can I just go there? You know, I was three days old in Christ when I cast out my first demon. Three days old. I get, I get filled with the, the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm saved. I'm with the same bunch of boys that I've been talking about before. And we get a phone call from this girl that we're speaking to. She's in her mid-twenties and she rings up. She's a lovely girl. Three in the morning, rings us up and she starts talking and saying, you've got to come. You've got to come. They're here to get me. They're here to get me. And then all of a sudden her voice changes. And, and all, she starts speaking like something else. I'm thinking, what is, is this what Christianity is like? 22 years, no one told me. <laughs> I took speed, ecstasy, cocaine. Nothing compares to this stuff. <laughs> this is wild. <laughs> so we go to McDonald's car park and she's there and it was a black Honda Integra. How many remember the Honda Integras? And it was there and all the windows were like foggy. It was like something out of the exorcist. It was just unbelievable. So we're like scared. I'm three days old in Christ. The other guy that I'm with is only a few months old in Christ. She comes and she's like, I'm waiting for her head to spin around. It's, it's crazy, right? And so I did what every three-day-old pastor should, uh, three-day-old Christian should do. It's call their pastor. So I rang up my pastor. Now that I'm a pastor, I'm surprised he even answered his phone at three in the morning. <laughs> so he answers his phone and I say, you know that girl we brought to church? This is what's happening. She's talking and all these voices are coming out. She's saying she needs help. I don't know what to do. I've heard of this deliverance thing. You need to come and you need to fix this. You need to fix this. Do you know what he said to me? You do it. <laughs> you do it. I thank God that my pastor said, you do it. He said, she's got a spirit of witchcraft and all you need to say is spirit of witchcraft, get out of her in Jesus' name and everything will change. 
I said, can you stay on the phone? <laughs> I didn't make him stay on the phone. I hung up, put my hands on her, three days old in Christ, ex-Muslim, criminal, drug dealer, spirit of witchcraft, get out of her in Jesus' name. She levitated off the seat. Her head went back. That demon came out of her, and she starts speaking in tongues and laughing. And she's crying and praising God in the car at three in the morning at McDonald's. See, that was my introduction to Christianity. See, but when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, once you receive power from on high, and he's no longer just in you for your pretty little devotion, he's on you to do the things that Jesus does, I'm telling you everything will change. Everything will change. Some of you here tonight, you can't control some of the things that you do. I'm just going to be real. You might have a spirit. And we just need to pray for you. It's not a crazy, you're not going to do the Honda Integra thing. You're not going to do that. But you will be free. You will be free. You will, will walk out of here with a new level of freedom. And you might even get baptized in the Holy Ghost yourself. You say, well, Adam, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost in 1983 at that revival meeting. Too far back. I need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost this week, next week, today, tomorrow. Upstairs I was praying, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I need the baptism of fire on my life. Listen, I can't preach without the Holy Ghost. I can't be a husband without the Holy Ghost. I can't be a dad without the Holy Ghost. I can't be a good friend without the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. If you want revival, it is the key to revival. He's the key to revival. He wants to be with you. In you and upon you. With you, in you and upon you. How much time have I got? Where's my... I'm in the red. That's not good. <laughs> Can we get the band up? That would be great. As the band gets up, I'll tell you one more story. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, I'm telling you, everything changes. I preached at a youth camp, um, more of a recent story, a few months ago, and, um, you know, big altar call, and kids are getting saved, and I saw this girl in the back, and um, young, little moldy girl, and she was just in the back there, and she was quite shy, and I really felt I've got to go to her, so I went down to her, and um, I put my hands on her, and as I put my hands on her, I saw a man in the spirit, I saw a man walking into her room, and... Um, the beginnings of him sexually abusing her. I, I, saw, I saw the man's face and I saw him walk in and I described what I was seeing to her and she just lost it, man. She just lost it. And as soon as I said, that spirit of shame, get off of her. She went flying back. She got completely set free. The Holy Ghost filled her for the first time. And now she's a youth leader in an incredible church and giving the same freedom to other girls that have gone through the same thing. How's that possible that I saw that? It's not me. I'm not some... It's just the Holy Ghost. It's just the Holy Ghost. He comes and he shows you because he loves people. One day we're preaching an outdoor gospel crusade and... Um, there was only about 80 people showed up. The last one we did, about 500 showed up, and it was great. 37 people gave their lives to Jesus that night. Water baptized in the ocean. It was wild. And so we decided to hold another one, and no one came. It was like 80 people, and I think 79 of them were from our church. 
<laughs> it was terrible. It was raining. And I said to my wife, Ron, you were there, you were playing drums. I said to my wife, I said, I'm done, I'm not doing it. All these people, I know them. They're all saved, what's the point? Like, you know, that's why you need to marry the right person. She said, we're doing this, you're gonna preach like there's 10,000 people here. I said, okay. Um, happy wife, happy, happy life, eh? And so, and so she said, you know the other thing, as I was praying for you, she said, if you get a word for somebody, don't be afraid to say it, as crazy as it might sound. So I preached the gospel, one person got saved, I think it was the 80th person. <laughs> and you know, praise God, it's worth it for that soul, but um, anyway, I'm standing there, we're about to close it off, and I get this word, so someone here has an incurable liver disease. And the doctors can't do anything about it. And so I'm like, I, I hear the Lord say that to my heart and I'm shaking. I'm like, I know these people. There's no one here. But it's outdoors, right? It's not a church service, it's outdoors. And so I say it, no one comes up. Anyway, we close off the crusade. And um, at the end of it, this guy walks up to me and he's like, hey, um, you know that liver thing? That's me. Can you pray? And so we prayed and healed. Three months later, I said, bro, here's our uh, invite card to church. You need to come. And I want to know, like, what happens? Like, I don't just like praying for people and then on your horse. Like, what's it? Come and tell us. And so he came. Three months later, I forgot who he was. And he walks into church on a Sunday morning and he said, oh, you don't remember me, but you prayed for me. But he explains the story. I said, yeah, yeah, I remember. And he came in with a letter um, saying that for 14 and a half years, he'd had this incurable liver disease. And that the doctors cannot explain it, but he is completely released from that disease. And so, and so we got him up at church to share. He's not even a Christian. He's not even a Christian. He's given the mic. I'm letting people preach. They don't even believe in Jesus. And he's there telling people about how Jesus healed his liver. Can I tell you what the secret to that is? Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, I can't do anything without you. I'm useless. Fill me and come upon me. If you live your life with that kind of posture, God will use you. Come on, why don't we stand to our feet? If you've never given your life to Jesus, Jesus, the one who died and said, I'm going to go away so this Holy Spirit can come. The one who set me free 13 years ago at an explosive detection machine at Melbourne Airport. The one who wants to come here tonight and turn your life upside down. The one who wants to call you son. The one who wants to call you daughter. If you've never given your life over to him and said, you're my savior, you're my Lord, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to be really brave and shoot up your hand real quick. I want to pray for you. That's the most important thing we could do here tonight. And then after that, we'll pray for some people. One, hands are already going up. Who else is there? Who else is there? At the back there, I see your hand. Who else is there? Three, four, five. Who else is there? Pop your hand up. You say, I need to give my life to Jesus. Awesome. I see your hand. I see your hand right at the back there, bro. Two of you. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So many people. I feel like there's two or three more. There's two or three more. You, need, you just need to push through. You feel stuck in your seat. You over there. Awesome. Who else is there? 
Who else? You say, Adam, I need to give my life over to Jesus. I'm sick of doing it my own way. Over here, awesome. Hands going up everywhere at the back. So good. This is everything to me. This moment is what I live for. Church, all together, all together, so we can include everyone. We're going to say a prayer. And these people that put their hand up walked in here with eternal destruction written on their foreheads and they're going to walk out of here eternal life. They're going to walk out of here with a destiny in heaven. So let's all say this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for dying to set me free. Forgive me of my sin. I repent. I turn to you. I give you my everything. Today I choose to serve you. Heaven is my home. God is my father. And I will serve him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give an awesome clap? That's awesome. So good. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.